We acknowledge the elders of Wadarung and Wurundjeri country where Dare Defy is recorded. Sovereignty was never ceded. Always was, always will be. Aboriginal land. Welcome to Dare Defy podcast, mother-daughter duo sharing feminist stories from both sides of the wave. Dare is being courageous and beyond dealing with shit. And Defy is being brave enough to challenge yourself and stand up against shit. And we're storytellers, not experts. Hello, darling. Hello, Izzy. So shall we just start? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, okay. So one of the reasons that you and I, I mean, we already have a really good connection, right? But over ISO, it it changed and morphed because we couldn't actually see each other or hug each other. I've never cried so much as when I left that day when I couldn't hug you. It's bringing tears to my eyes right now. But over ISO... It's been a really interesting process because I feel like, for me, I have moved to attach to things that are really important and at the same time detach from bullshit, basically. And Yeah, one thing I attached attached to and gave much more importance to in my life was, was dancing. And so I'm dancing every day. But I feel like, you know, and I also look at your social media, your friends, and, you know, like I'm all connected to them as well. But it made me feel like I'm different. Looking back at the ages of your friends with their kids, you know, Lawsy's kids today were playing in a creek up north and I just, and I just, think you know and mealsy you know getting her kids around and you know and some of your friends have puppies now and and it's just so glorious seeing them and I and I look back at your friends and think wow how happy and adventurous and amazing they are and when I think of myself at that age I I feel incredibly different I feel that I'm a different I'm obviously a different person now but I have the opportunity to look back and and see the different stages of myself through time. So I'm, I was wondering what it brought up for me was how, for you, Fagan, how, at what point, when did you know you were a feminist? Oh, um, I think growing up, with having you as my mother, I always knew that there was an imbalance, um, you know, with males and females specifically. And I think I always knew that I needed to be, not needed to be, I needed to be vocal with my opinions and I needed to be gutsy and I needed to, not that I needed to, you know, flash that about, but I knew that I needed to push through barriers that 
were uh, cemented by society through the patriarchy, through history, where women always fell um, a little short comparatively to males. And growing up, I... Uh, it's really weird. I, was, I read Clementine Ford's Fight Like a Girl um, a few months ago, and she talks a lot about uh, being in, you know, being... 10 to 12 being in primary school and all of these things that girls would do just to survive whether that you you know being called like oh you hit like a girl or the saying I'm only friends with the boys because girls are drama you want to be the one that survives you don't want to be the one that's getting poked fun of and I think I definitely was that I tried very hard to be more masculine than feminine and I wore you know a lot of boys clothing especially like DC I cut my hair off I you know I did all these things to project the world that I was not too feminine and I think now I'm I'm really coming into a stage in my life where I'm quite androgynous I'm not I'm not either way and that's totally fine and I think feminism has really taught me that and I think different stages of my life, I've I've recognised feminism as, as a completely different movement as, as the years have com- gone by. So back to your question, when did I first know that I was a feminist? I think I first really connected myself to the word, even though I knew that it was a movement, I knew it was something that I needed to follow and, you know, be aware of. But being a feminist as the word, I think probably... Probably once I came out of high school and I, I maybe, I don't know. It was definitely after high school. There wasn't like a, a moment, but it was, yeah, probably like my early, early 20s, I reckon. What about you? I, I'm just recalling now you as a much younger child, you know, before you got to that that masculine uh stage of your life and you would you would literally change every friggin 10 minutes you would change your clothes and you would not only change one set of clothes you would actually add clothes on as you went through the day so it was not unusual at the end of a day to find your clothes obviously all strewn through your room, but up and down the hallway in the kitchen, in the lounge room, and then look look over to you and you would be wearing like four skirts and five, five tops and a dress over the top and then you would have like your um, stockings wrapped around your head or, you know, like you would, you were experimented really, really early with that stuff and it's frustrating as it was <laughs> because you know I was doing most of the picking up that um that yeah so so that's actually really beautiful to hear that story and I have never heard you describe yourself before as androgynous but it 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 you know and the clothes you wear and it makes sense to me and it also makes sense to me about how often I buy you clothes and you just go yeah mum that's nah. just not me no nah. And I'm just looking at us now, you know, I'm sitting here in a pink fluffy hat with red, you know, headphones and a necklace and a, you know, a sparkly black top. 
<laughs> and uh, you've got a lovely high collar. Katmandu camping jumper. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it all But works. then to balance it out, I've just um, done a face mask. So I'm feeling very glowy but comfortable. <laughs> well, and I think that's the thing, isn't it? We, we, as women, we need to find that level of of comfortability in being ourselves and wearing what we want to wear and doing what the fuck we want to do. You know, it's so important. And for me, uh, so my mum was someone who... Um, she went out to work. She was she was working, you know, most of the time through my childhood, and yet my mum and dad's relationship was was not equal, not by any stretch of the imagination. And I I actually felt some sorrow for mum because she hated cooking, and yet she she cooked for us seven children. She cooked for us all all our life, and and. You know, even right up until the end, she was um, doing dad's, you know, lunches and stuff. And so I didn't really, so what I mean is that I didn't have a role model, even though within herself she was she was feisty as, and I really loved that about her. Um, I think we all have that in common too. <laughs> yeah, I think we do. Generational, you know, feistiness. But when Germaine Greer came along, so I'm I'm kind of born between the waves, right? There was um, the the 70s waves, which I kind of missed because I was a I was a very small child, and then and I kind of feel like I not missed this most recent one with the Me Too movement, but I feel like in my really pivotal years as a feminist, there was there was no wave. We were in a trough. And and that made it really, I mean, it's really hard anyway. And I'm not, and I don't want to compare, but I have a really clear recollection of going to uni. And I would call myself, you know, uh, someone who was into human rights and um, saw that women needed and I needed to be strong and feisty and have opinions and share them. But I went to, university a local uni where I met most of my friends and I went one day and some of my friends this was before we were friends some of my friends were giving a speech to the university population right and it was about childcare, and they were talking about the student union budget and they were talking about childcare. every time the word childcare was mentioned a roar would grow up through the university, not not um, through the population, through the people that were gathered there. And it was not a roar of approval. It was a roar of disgust that we, the student union, should even consider having a childcare budget. How, how did those people expect that women were meant to get an education? Well... <laughs> Who's thinking about that? Well, only women. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And though the women on the stage that day were harangued and were bullied by the crowd, and I was in the crowd, and I, I, I've, I was heartbroken. I was absolutely heartbroken. Number one, that the the people that I went to uni with would believe that childcare wasn't important. 
somebody's going to do it. Don't, we don't have to worry about that. But the second reason I was heartbroken was for those women on stage who had faced that. So immediately afterwards, I went upstairs and went, well, I'm signing up for, for the women's group. I, you know, I'm signing up, whatever. And I expected to walk up there and find broken women, like devastated by what had happened. Well, I walked in that room and they were laughing. They were pouring cups of teas and I just thought, okay, I'm I'm feminist, <laughs> and I and the, and I owned I owned that word. I still have those friends today, and they're the friends that I go dancing with. So, ah, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah. So it's um it's unreal, but I've absolutely had I had an epiphany that day, and that was that I needed to act. I needed to not just be in my own little world, you know, I'm doing okay, I'm getting through this okay. I actually needed to join the sisterhood and how fucking fabulous are the sisterhood. It was just, yeah. 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 So it's interesting and I, and I remember actually one of, this is not so long ago, one of your friends sent me a text pretty late at Kristen. night. Yes, Kristen, and said, uh, so we're just having a discussion here. Um, uh, one, of, one of her friends had come up and, and a male friend had come up to a group of women and said, hello, ladies, and, and some, some of the women in that group didn't appreciate it. So I just explained why, that, why ladies wasn't, isn't an appropriate term for, for men to use. I actually hate the term myself, so I would never I use it. it. I hate it with a passion. And or when people say, hello, hi, lady. Okay, that's, that's very in, has been for the last few years, and yeah. I cannot stand it. Hey, lady. It's like, I'm not a lady. No. It's 2020. Yeah. Come on, people. Get your language together. But but the other how, thing, did you, how did you explain that to Kristen, though? Uh, I explained that... I, I explained that for me the the term lady is um, is telling me that I, as a woman I have to behave in a certain way because if I'm not a lady then I must be a slut or I must be a I must be something else I must be less than a woman so a lady is somehow more than a woman because she behaves within the parameters that society dictate for her so I was never going to be that. And I explained to her that while some women use that term, it's not a term that men should use because it's so loaded. And I think when women use it, they can use it ironically or use it with satire or use it yeah. in, in different ways to kind of bring their ladies together. I Like I understand when women use it, but when men use it, it, it flips my lid. Uh, I just... It's it's yeah. just awful. It also it also reminds me of walking past a construction site and seeing tradies working on a roof, and you're walking past with your girlfriend. Say, hey, ladies, it's foul. I cannot I cannot do it. <laughs> what do you do when that happens? I either flip them off or tell them to get fucked. Yeah, or both. Yeah, and indeed, why not? Why not? <laughs> why not? When you've got both. Use both, I say. Use the ammo. Yeah. 
But I, but I must admit, I love, uh, I love getting questions from your friends. And it's not to say that I'm some, you know, font of knowledge. Have I been living as a feminist a lot longer? Yeah, but some of my ideas are, are, are broken because of the time that I was living in as well. Like I remember having a discussion with you about whether a man could be a feminist. Yes, which is going to be an episode you know, sometime in the near future. But I, I really want to ask you what, how you feel about that now and if you're – but I think that might be too much of a loaded question for you to give me a, a brief answer. Yeah. Silence. Yeah. Because I know – yeah, I, well, I used to believe that they were – it was not possible for them to be a feminist, but I think what I've come to now is that they just don't want to be. Most of the men I know, most of the men I read about, most of what happens in this world is a result of men not wanting to be feminists because they don't want to be equal. I mean, why would they? They've 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 got it laid out for them. So, so yes, my ideas about can a man be a feminist have have changed, and having a son changes that for me yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I often think about that that and as I said, we'll get into that a little bit later, but just for the listeners, that was a conversation that you and I had that went on for about a year and how it kind of came to its it wasn't really resolved, it kind of just needed to that's where the conversation needed to stop for, you know, that point in time. And I was at a footy match. But again, we can come back to that. I think so many of your stories really interesting. are interesting relate to you being at a footy game love the footy okay <laughs> what's wrong with that nothing nothing oh, <laughs> thanks darling that was fun that was really fun and thank you all for listening to our first episode if you're not already please jump onto instagram and follow us at daredefy.podcast and take a challenge. And take a challenge. Dear. <laughs> Shit. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.